Welcome to the First Father and Son Pastoral Podcast. I know you and I are very excited to be here today to do this. Um, It's something we've been talking about, praying about, and now we finally get to do it. So I'm I'm glad to be able to. Uh, The first thing, or the first series we'll be having together is the Jesus Said That series. We're going to look at every word that Jesus spoke in the New Testament, which is kind of a scary task at first. Absolutely. And uh, I'm also attempting to put it in chronological order, as you know. I'm doing this Bible study with my uh, young adults on Sunday nights, and I've learned so much that you know we got together and we talk about it, difficult passages we always talk about. And uh, I said, hey, why don't we do a podcast on this together? So here we are. So uh, as uh, many of you know, I'm Pastor Kenny Burge Jr., and this is my father, uh, doctor. Mm-hmm. I like saying pastor better. I think that has more authority <laughs> than doctor personally, but uh, Pastor Ken Burge Sr. So any thoughts you want to share as yeah. we start this podcast Thank you, Kenny. together? This is um, just a great honor. Uh, I mean, to have a son in the pastorate on staff with you is is great. Uh, to do team teaching, it, it just doesn't get any better uh, than this. Uh, I have appreciated your series uh, so much. I remember when you came to me and told me what you're doing, I go, ooh, that's quite a task. You know, I had preached through the Gospels, but... I get to just work account to account to account. You've been actually trying to figure out the chronology uh, of the statements of Jesus, which I think is a very difficult but great uh, undertaking. So I'm I'm just honored to be uh, part of this. Look forward uh, to expounding these texts with you, and uh, thank you for the invite. This is. um, that is, this is a great day. You know, it's kind of cool being in you know our my old house, my family room, <laughs> old family room, and just kind of doing this together. So uh, uh, many people might not know if obviously they don't attend a church, but uh, we do a lot together. Um, we complement each other. You're um, very how would I say the logical. Um, you can quote any reference, which it always amazes me. I don't know how you do it. Um, it's giftedness that you can just say a reference like that. I'm always looking them up. Where I'm more of the visual, um, I'm always having that. So this is kind of a new arena for both of us, and I'm I'm very excited about this. So um, today's passage, we're going to be looking at uh, young Jesus in the temple. Mm. Um, this is the first account yeah. that Jesus speaks in, at least in the New Testament in human flesh. Mm-hmm. Now, as we look at this passage, we have to realize that Jesus is the eternal son of God. Um, He's God. He has always been God. He never ceased to be God. He didn't lay down his godhood when he became man, as Mm -hmm. some would teach. Um, He is eternally God, yet he is also a man. So, you know, we're skipping because he didn't talk in all of those Mm -hmm. early passages, his birth and so forth. But uh, I think it's just fascinating that God can take on flesh. So there's a moment where that human side of him that flesh was conceived and came to be and yet at the same time he's also eternal so as we wrestle with those thoughts that are too great for us um, i'm not even going to try to explain that because i can't we're going to see his humanity in this passage with the 12 year old jesus yeah i'm just thinking because you you got me going just thinking about the somehow supernatural mesh yeah. <laughs> fully god fully man and better minds than ours i mean even paul uh says great is the mystery yeah. uh the mysterion something that wasn't known in the past but is now understood <laughs> revealed if you will uh great is the mystery of godliness god 
was manifest in flesh there in First Timothy 3.16. And I'm going, we are so privileged to be probing, particularly mm-hmm. the account with Luke for us uh, to start because more of the emphasis on the humanity of mm-hmm. Christ. But it's, uh, it's beyond us, but we believe it all. Huh. And that's the greatness of it. So as you mentioned, this passage was written by uh, Dr. Luke. Um, he was not an eyewitness to the accounts of Jesus. Um, we don't think he ever met Jesus that we know of. But it seems like he interviewed people mm-hmm. and he got firsthand accounts from them. Yeah. So this account probably came, we would guess, from Mary. You mm-hmm. know, we don't know. Obviously, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. We know it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Luke, you know, who who knows who he interviewed here? But there's a good chance it was Mary. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think it's fascinating. So we're going to get a small peek into the life of God in flesh yes. in this little boy. Mm. So uh, let's just go ahead and jump into the text. Mm-hmm. Um It says in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41, Every year his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. What what do you think this implies about Jesus' parents? His parents were pious. They were religious. The mandate would have been for the males, according to Deuteronomy sixteen sixteen, to uh, travel for three feasts. Yeah. Uh, I find it interesting. Mary goes along, uh, so we know they are obedient uh, to the scripture. Uh, but there is this longing that they have in their heart to truly know and to walk with the living God, which could not be a better, a better. Um, a better example for their child. Yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, it's something yeah. for, uh, as a youth pastor that, uh, parents need to follow. Yeah. Bring your kids. Now, obviously they went to the temple. We're no one, no longer under the law. We're under grace, but take your kids to church, get them in the Bible study, <laughs> let them learn. Now, obviously they had a very different snare. Their son is the son of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never <laughs> worked with a truly godly <laughs> child in my life, right. so to speak. But uh, yeah, so as you mentioned, uh, there are three um, feasts or festivals Mm -hmm. that were required for all Jewish males to Mm -hmm. attend. We find in Exodus 12, it's a Passover, Mm -hmm. which was only one day, but that was followed by the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So this whole festival, both of these put together would last about seven days, Mm -hmm. a very holy time. Then you would have the Pentecost, which we recognize, obviously, from the New Testament. and mm-hmm. But that was known as also the Feast of Weeks mm. from Leviticus 23. And this was a time of sacrifices and so forth. And this would be celebrated around June. And then you had Tabernacles, are the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. It was funny. I woke up the other morning. It was Sunday. And I have an Alexa. I'm sorry if I'm setting off your Alexas right now. And... uh I asked her what the weather is, and she went on to tell me that it was the Feast of Booths on that day, (laughs) which was just kind of (laughs) interesting. But a fun festival where you would camp out, and it would remind you of the time that your relatives uh, left Egypt, Mm -hmm. and that was uh, mandated in Numbers 29. So um, it looks like Jesus' parents followed the law to the T. So, and and I think also when Jesus says, I fulfilled the law, Mm -hmm. you know, I think even from the youth, he, he followed it. Uh, due to his parents and obviously his heavenly father. Uh, I did a little research here and I found that the distance from Nazareth to Jerusalem is about 64 miles. Wow. Um, that, that's quite a journey. You know, they couldn't hop in the car and go. Yeah. Um, I did some quick math, as the young kids say, and it, it would have been about 21 hours mm-hmm. of walking um, 
Joseph does not seem to be rich, Mary. Um, at least from what we can tell, they didn't seem to have money. So they probably walked that. So uh, let's look at verse 43. After those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, <laughs> but his parents did not know it. Uh, mm-hmm. So the week passes and Joseph and Mary are focused on the road trip back home. I know as a parent, I have uh, three little children. Sometimes when you're going places, uh, you're so focused on where you're going, uh, you're not focused on the moment. And uh, clearly that's that's what's leading up to this with Jesus. Um, Jesus is the God man and he lingers, um, in the city he loves with all his heart. And I think it's fascinating. He goes to his father's house, you know, uh, to his parents, he was lost. I think he was just where he wanted to be, uh, his father's house. Absolutely. Um, if I can just take a moment and share, um, a, a funny story, but maybe brings a little light, uh, to the account. Uh, I also, uh, like you, three, three children, and uh, my three sons, uh, I affectionately always called you guys. And we had a number of family members at the church uh, at, those, uh, at that time. Uh, they lived in the area. So there were a lot of us. So after service, our, you know, our traditional hangout, we'd I go remember. get uh, pizza. We, we love pizza. We could afford pizza. Yeah. And we would caravan. So off we went. We, that we horrible up at purple the... van. Yeah, <laughs> your, your adorable purple van. Yeah. And we showed up at the uh, the restaurant and we're sitting down and I'm looking and I, you know, it didn't take me too long. Math was never my best subject, but I go, there's Joshua, there's Daniel. Uh-oh, we're missing Kenny. And so I said, okay, I know where he's at. So I jumped back in the car and went back to the church. And thankfully, one of the uh, couples at the church was, uh, uh, they were sitting there and they were just waiting, saying, we figured you'd be back for him. So it can happen. Yeah, I, I remember that. I was just sitting there on the step, just waiting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you you wanted your pizza. And it's just, it was kind of one of those humbling situations. We all laughed about it. But it really did uh, show us how this could happen because you'd have a caravan. And my understanding is a lot of times you would have the women and children kind of in the front leading uh, because it would set the pace. You wouldn't put the men up front because uh, the children and women could not keep up. So you could see how this would easily occur. And when you think of all the religious men, at least, and, you know, Joseph took his wife. So I would say there's probably a lot of wives and children yes. going to Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of people. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to figure my town. If all of us travel, just say a short distance to Washington, D.C., a couple right. miles. Yeah. Um, and how easy would it be if the whole town got up and went to uh, get lost in the confusion and the excitement? Exactly. So uh, I think this is the beauty of the Bible. It's humanity. It's real. Um, it doesn't try to gloss over Joseph and Mary as mm-hmm, these incredible mm-hmm. people who never made any mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the scary thing about the Bible. If you're in there, it's probably highlighting your mistakes you've yeah. made because it's just truth. Um, right. It's not trying to polish over anything. So um, here go Joseph and Mary. Uh, and it says, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Uh, three days, pretty simple, uh, at least in my understanding. Uh, one day they were away from Jerusalem. Then they're like, uh-oh, our son's not here. Mm-hmm. Waited till the next morning, went out, journeyed back to Jerusalem, right. took another full day. That's day two. And then on day three, they found him in the temple. Now, I think it's interesting. He was listening and asking questions to mm. the teachers. Um, we always have this, I don't know, uh, 
myth or make-believe thought that Jesus is in there and he's yeah. teaching everybody and everyone is so – he's like, wow, who is this boy because he's teaching us things we did not know, yeah. where he seems to be following uh, the thought of his day that you would ask really good questions and mm -hmm. listen. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think Jesus is growing in his uh, – I don't know if you would say it because he's God, but it, it certainly is humanity. He's growing here. Mm -hmm. uh, he's learning. Uh, how, how does that happen? I have no idea. But uh, he is. And it says, all those who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. Mm -hmm. So here Jesus is. He's talking, um, asking questions. And I mean, he's 12. Yeah. You and I know 12-year-olds. Some are very bright. <laughs> but uh, I couldn't imagine having a conversation with the Son of God. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, just a couple thoughts. Uh, number one, the word seeking, or mm. they sought him. Uh, 44, you see it, verse 45, and then we transition down to 48, you find it all three times in perfect tense, continuous mm. action in past time. I think Luke is showing us sort of the anxiety of <laughs> Joseph and Mary because it's, it's just like they're looking everywhere. And I'm, I can imagine them uh, showing up, say, pardon me. Yeah. Uh, have you seen my son? I, I've lost the son of God. So sort of uh, a humiliating situation, but I think it shows their intensity yeah, when they definitely. finally uh, connect with him. But the idea, too, of him asking questions, I, I find this so fascinating because Luke, uh, the doctor, perhaps the pediatrician at this time, is noting for us the human development of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I've often joked that, you know, when God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer to it. You know, Adam, where are you? He knows where Adam is. He's given Adam a chance to come clean with the situation. But here I step back and I go, okay, he's fully God, but he's fully man. The end of this chapter is showing the development of yeah. the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is he doing? He, he's asking questions. Of course, he would have been asked questions too. It would have displayed some of his wisdom in his answers, but he's probing. Uh, he doesn't come off as the, as the know-it-all 12-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, both you and I would say that as pastors, uh, we listen to people's questions. Yeah. And you can tell a lot about someone's heart from their question. That's right. You have the people who are have the I got you type of questions mm -hmm. where you mm -hmm. know you're getting set up. Mm -hmm. um, then you have people who are asking you something simply because they just want to make their opinion known to everybody mm -hmm. where they don't really care what you say. They're going to say, well, I think. Mm -hmm. But then you have those people who are honest. And I think they ask you questions that uh, they're really probing. They're really searching. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think that's important to recognize them. I wrote uh, down here, I jotted down uh, two Proverbs. I shared this with the the kids. Mm -hmm. uh, I call them the kids, but the mm -hmm. young adults. And it's something I wrote. It's uh, wise people ask thoughtful questions. Mm -hmm. Fools never shut up and take yeah. pleasure in hearing their own words. Mm -hmm. We've all had students like that. Uh, uh, it's just funny. Every time I teach, you're always going to get someone who raises their hand and you make a point and they say, let me echo that. And it's like... Let's save everyone's time and not echo that. You know, let's just keep moving. <laughs> and then we have a, a foolish man does not ask any questions. A proud man asks countless thoughtless questions. Yeah. So I think there's truly that balance. The Christian life is all balance. But mm -hmm. here we have Jesus asking questions, which I think is fascinating. So as all that's happening, his parents come in. 
And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. Mm -hmm. And his mother said to him, Mm -hmm. this isn't like the, oh, so (laughs) glad to see you, son. This is uh, the mad, uh, what I would say, the mad soccer mom saying, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Um, And I think they're probably really annoyed by his answer. Um, I know as a parent, when my child does something I I think is wrong or seemingly wrong or they cause me concern, Mm -hmm. I I want them to be concerned back. Where Jesus' response, his first words in scripture are, uh, why were you searching for me? (laughs) How would you like to lose your kid for three days and have them say, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? How many people live with somebody that's truly perfect. Now, my brother's not here. He can give you an example of that. But beside that, and I'm just obviously joking with you, this is fascinating watching Joseph and Mary grapple with their son and his independence because he's getting to that age of 12 where obviously he's becoming a man. And uh, But they're still trying to take care yeah. of him at this season of life. So they're struggling uh, with that entire concept, which I, I just find um, astonishing uh, what they are wrestling with, which is a, is a real thing. Because remember, even Jesus's brothers uh, in John chapter 7 and verse 5 were not believing in him. and But so mom and dad, yeah. they have insight. They were given divine knowledge about yeah. the nature of his birth, but they still had to struggle yeah. because he's perfect. <laughs> and I, I, just, I just can't get my arms fully around that whole concept. Yeah. And this is how you can tell it's live. You know, uh, you're hearing the phone ring and it's <laughs> <laughs> real life with, for some with, with pastors. I always, uh, I give out my phone number to few people and I always mute it because yeah. uh, we're always on call, aren't we? That's right. But uh, I, I think that's a really good point you make. Thank you. So, um, mm-hmm. and Mary uh, says, and just kind of, uh, this really made me think, Mary says, your father, mm-hmm. referring mm-hmm. to Joseph. Yes. But then Jesus says he was in my father's house, referring to God. Um, Jesus understood who his real father was. As as we look through the life of Jesus, we're going to see he really knew his identity. Mm -hmm. And he's really trying to give us an identity. Um, When we read scripture, we really learn who we are Mm -hmm. in Christ. Mm -hmm. But uh, Jesus knew who he was. Mm -hmm. And uh, sadly, his parents had a really hard time comprehending this. Mm -hmm. And we have to remember, uh, you know, Jesus hadn't done any miracles at this time. Mm he was he was just a twelve year old boy. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't be till you know he's thirty that he starts doing those miracles and having a following. So you sometimes wonder what Mary and Joseph talked about at night. You know, mm-hmm. that, remember when that angel came? Yeah, well, you know, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. our son's normal to a degree. He's perfect, but he, he's he's not healing the sick or fighting Rome or training to fight. You know, he he just works with me in my shop. So. It's uh, it's interesting. So in uh, verse uh, 50, it said, but they did not understand what he said to them. Uh, jo- Joseph and Mary did not understand the profound statement that Jesus made. You know, I, I think it's interesting because here they are. They're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. They're bringing him to the temple. They're worshiping with him. But uh, spiritually, they missed it here. They missed the words of their son. And uh, I outlined something here. Mary mm-hmm. focused on the physical 
when she said, why have you treated us like this? Mm -hmm. Jesus was focused on the spiritual. Mm -hmm. He was spending time in his father's house. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those who focus on the physical have a hard time understanding the spiritual. Um, And that's what we find, you know, as pastors at church. Uh, When people are focused on the physical, they're filled with worry, doubt. They don't, they don't get it. Mm -hmm. Where Mm -hmm. those who are focused on the spiritual um, really can see life in a whole different way. Yeah. Is there anything you'd add to that? Or Yeah, Jesus, from the very beginning, displays this dual submission, which I find fascinating. Later we'll see the human part with yeah. uh, mom and dad, uh, but to his father. Um, that is the ticket to the Christian life, and Jesus models it for us. He's He's fully God. Uh, he's fully man, but he chooses at times not to exercise certain of his attributes. Uh, in John chapter 8, he says, I always do those things that please my father. Then he also says, I only speak those things my oh. father has given me. So he's in touch with his father. I like to call it a conference call. Yeah. You know, he's having regular conference calls. And Mark 1 is the same thing. He's having great ministry in Capernaum. And uh, he sort of disappears. Peter tracks him down, says, hey, we got to get back at it. And Jesus says, says, uh, you know what, I've been called to go to the next towns and preach also. How did he know that? He had risen early and he had prayed. Yeah. Uh, that's Mark one thirty-five, And uh, he, he has his marching orders. That's fascinating. And, and I think it's a beautiful picture of submission. Yeah. Um, in our culture, submission is such a dirty word. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you really, because I was thinking about this, I, as you know, you appointed me to lead mm-hmm. the praise team, mm-hmm. and uh, we pick songs that are accurate. Yeah. And one of the songs I got rid of was the song Above All. And I just didn't like the line where it says that Jesus thought of me above all. Mm-hmm. When you really look at the Gospels, he put the Father yes. above all all. And it was his love for the Father. Obviously, Jesus loves us. I'm not saying that. Mm -hmm. He loves us. He cares for us. But he put the Father above all, and he submitted to him. His purpose was to get everyone to look at the Father and to bring down uh, salvation to earth. But um, when I look at this with submission, Mm -hmm. uh, it's such a beautiful picture because we're going to see in the next verse that Jesus is going to submit to his parents, even though they were far from Perfect. Exactly. So I, I find that fascinating. Mm. Um, and, and just a quick personal story, you know, um, like I was saying, people with submission, they always act like it's such a horrible thing. But, uh, you know, my wife, we, we try to have a biblical marriage. And, you know, I try to get up at five every morning, pray, read, and just get straight to work. And uh, this morning it was six o'clock and I'm kind of lingering in bed, tired. So uh, she gets up out of bed, goes, makes me a cup of coffee and brings it to me. But uh, she's supporting me. She's mm-hmm. helping me. That's right. um, in a sense, she's submitting. But in doing that, she's helping me to accomplish my goals. Mm-hmm. And I really think that's what Jesus is doing here. You know, mm-hmm. he submits because his father wants him to submit. Yeah. But in the long run, it's re- it's fulfilling his father's purpose. Because if he didn't obey his parents, he would have broke the law. You know, so he's obeying his parents and ultimately he's obeying the father, which I think is profound. But he truly understands his identity. Yes. You had brought this up mm-hmm. earlier. And I think this is so important 
today. Uh, in John 13, when Jesus washes the disciples' feet, the text says basically he knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. <laughs> and he never let anybody sidetrack him, if you will. He always understood that he was here to do his father's business. And let me just uh, take a moment and uh, give a context for a submission. Uh, it comes from uh, the Greek uh, hoopa uh, is under and tasso to arrange. So it means to arrange under. Uh, it's a prevalent uh, New Testament uh, term. Uh, it's used in Romans 13 that every soul is to be subject, that's her term, to the governing authorities. Uh, so all of us are to be under authority. Uh, in James chapter 4, in verse 7, a passage that explains the nature and blessing of being uh, submissive because if we submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from us. So to arrange ourselves under God's authority, under the government's authority, and under the authority of our, of our local church is so very important. And what people, I think, sometimes miss is that even within the Trinity was submission. Yeah. Uh, the Father yes. sends the Son. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave. You know, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, Galatians 4, 4. And then the Father and Son send the Spirit. And there are three in one, but there is submissiveness within the Trinity, and yet there is equality. Uh, the same is true uh, here of the Lord Jesus Christ, because down in verse 51, Jesus was subject. That's her term. He was subject to his earthly father and his mother, I think showing us the example of how we are to live today by being under authority. And the safest place, I believe, to be is under God's authority and that of the ones who are over us in the Lord. When we are under authority, then I think God blesses. And that is displayed in the life of Jesus later on, how he increases in wisdom and stature and favor within the Trinity. He's submissive. And then even as an earthly example, he does exactly the same Thing. I love it. And don't you think that's probably one of the key reasons why people don't join a church is because they don't want to be under authority? Um, I know we live in a day and age where people just church hop. Yeah. You know, if, they, if their authority says something they don't like, they just pick a new one. Yeah. Where uh, I, I love it how Jesus just, you know, his parents, they treated him wrongly in this situation. Um, it looks like they weren't too happy at him, yet he submitted even to their authority being a child. Exactly. Which which I think, and that, that brings us down in the verse uh, 51 and 52. Mm -hmm. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. Uh, Jesus was a man under authority. Yes. And as a child obeyed his authorities. He, he kept the law. Um, he loved his father and put him above all. And in loving his father, he loved his uh, earthly parents, even when they were wrong. Yeah. Um, during this time, uh, the God-man grew in wisdom, and his heavenly father was pleased. We'll see shortly that uh, he'll be baptized. And God himself will say, you know, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Yeah. So we don't know what happened during the next 18 years of his life, biblically. Mm -hmm. uh, you can read about a lot of fiction about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, we have no idea what happened in the next 18 years of his life. Yet he pleased his father. Uh, we'll find out in the next passage. So uh, just a quick thought. Yeah. Uh, Paul uh, records for us 
the concept of the great submission yeah. uh, in the passage called the kenosis, the emptying out in Philippians 2. I just and caught the, on that. The command. Yeah. Mm. Let this mind, and that's an imperative, let this mind be in you, yeah. which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery equal with God, made himself of no reputation, taking on what? The form of a servant. Uh, so the Lord Jesus Christ modeled that uh, for us. Then Paul does the same thing later in the chapter by by submitting to the Father, even up to death, as does Timothy. And then you also have Epaphroditus, who nearly died. But it's all in the context context of being under God's authority and to complete the mission that the Almighty had given uh, them to do. And I think it's amazing that Jesus just submits. I mean, he made them. That's right. He did not cease being God. That's right. You know, uh, the kenosis, as you mentioned, is such a mystery, but Mm -hmm. it's not like at any moment he ceased being God. Exactly. His abilities didn't dry up, so to speak, Mm -hmm. but yet he didn't choose to exercise them exactly which uh, is incredible mm. so uh, let's look at our employment points mm-hmm. and uh, what we can learn from this passage by the way this coffee is very good it's my pleasure to make it i usually so. get spoiled by you when i'm at your house so it's my <laughs> well it's eggnog but let me say it's not alcoholic eggnog <laughs> just just to clarify With there caramel cream yeah. <laughs> rocks. Being okay here. yeah uh jesus hungered to be taught scripture Uh, He spent three days listening and asking questions to the teachers in the temple. My question is, do you have, do you hunger to learn scripture by Mm -hmm. sacrificing your time and comfort? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not easy always to get up and study. It's Mm -hmm. not easy sometimes to go to church on a freezing day or a burning day, but, uh, Mm -hmm. and so many people won't make that sacrifice. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think it's so important that Jesus lingered there three days learning and uh, he hungered to be taught scripture. And I think it sets such an example for us. And a question you need to ask yourself, do I hunger mm-hmm. to learn mm-hmm. scripture? Mm-hmm. And here's the thought you should have. Uh, if I do not hunger to learn the word of the Lord, what does that tell me about my walk with him? Uh, personally, uh, I'm a pastor who uh, takes care of the youth, among other things, mm-hmm. my many duties. But uh, I, you know, uh, technically, a uh, part of my job description is I'm a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, one of the people I try to model myself after is Paul yeah. in the sense, because he was a godly man where I see many youth pastors and they just don't have that hunger for scripture because their priorities are all wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I see a lot of youth pastors priorities are all the events. We got to go here. We got to do that. You know, I'm the cool PE type of guy who I can, I'm on a first name basis with you. We're cool. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll go here. We'll go there. We'll go everywhere. And the kids don't mature because their pastors aren't maturing. And um, I think part of it is the pastor's fault because he has to make the time to learn. But part of it is also the congregation's expectations on the pastor. You have to give them time to study, to learn. Um, And... I, you know, if you're a pastor, even if you're not a pastor, I ask you, do you hunger to learn scripture? Not so you can go in a Bible jeopardy, but so you know the word of God because you love God and you want to please the father. In many ways, you've followed in my footsteps. I got saved about age 16, had a strong yearning to study God's word, working at that time full time. Uh, with the telephone company, but Friday night I taught a high school group. Saturday night I did a college and career, and then Sunday I taught the high school Sunday school class, which meant the other nights of the week I was studying, so working full time. Best thing to do for a single person, and spend just oodles of time in God's Word. Um, my goal 
then as it is today was to make disciples. And part of that is teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. Uh, Paul, as he's leaving the Ephesian elders and as he's weeping, uh, he he commended them to God and his word, which is able to build them up. And uh, we have to invest within ourselves the word of God and then to share that um, as strategically and systematically as we can with everybody. And I'm so thankful. Uh, I'm not as spry as I used to be. And I don't run as many nights of the week as I used to, but you do a lot of that now. And exactly it's the same philosophy. You know, we didn't turn our hats on sideways and try to act cool. Uh, We had fun with our youth, always did, but uh, we taught them the word of God. I I can't agree with you more with that. So uh, the true hungering for the word of God is important. And then uh, our second is Jesus put the spiritual before the physical. Are you like Mary and Joseph who are focused on the physical? Let me say that again. I keep hearing these police sirens, so who knows what's going <laughs> yeah. on there. They're not coming to get us. We're good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, at least not yet. No, <laughs> yeah. okay. um, are you like Mary and Joseph who focus on the physical? If so, you will be a worrier. Um, I think I meet so many people who just worry all the time, and it's because they're so focused on the physical. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about this before. When uh, Becca and I got married, you know, I always told her, you know, we're going to manage your finances well, and she's excellent with all that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, things are tight sometimes, but trust God, he's going to provide. You simply follow him and he will provide. Mm. And at first she didn't get it, mm-hmm. but it's funny just, you know, we've been married now and for a while and she just doesn't worry about money. That's she right. doesn't worry about those things because like God's going to provide. I mean, you won't be rich. Yeah. Date night might be McDonald's, Taco Bell, whatever. Yes, but, right. uh, yeah. you know, you don't focus on the physical. Sp- focus on the spiritual. Yeah. And uh, spiritual men and women of God do not worry. Um, two questions, and then I'll have you chime in. Mm-hmm. Um, in question, uh, do I put the spiritual before the physical? Mm-hmm. Um, if you would take your planner out for your week, how many things are you focused on that are spiritual? And how many things do you focus that are physical? Um, not saying physical is bad at all. Right. Um, physical is important, but we got to have priorities. And uh, here's the thought you should have. Am I a worrier? If so, I am focused on the physical. Mm. So how can I readjust and be like Jesus by focusing on spiritual things? Mm. Jesus had received profound temptation by the devil. And what did he do? He shows them all the kingdoms of the world and your glory. When I think of the first John 2 passage, you know, love not the world and your things are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All this in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and pride of life. Jesus got hit with all that full force, tempted in all points like we, thankfully, yet without sin. We are in a physical world, but that's why we have to take God's word and prioritize uh, his kingdom. Uh, his church, and to seek first that kingdom, and he will make that provision for us. Uh, We uh, will never make lots of money in ministry. We knew that entering into uh, ministry. I remember in Bible college many years ago, and someone asked my professor why he went into ministry, and he said, for the money, and we all busted out (laughs) laughing because we knew (laughs) how tight things could be. But yet we all know 
that provision that when we do seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, these other things he takes care of. And and he really does. Uh, so it's the step of faith. It's walking by faith and not by sight. Uh, but then the Lord gets to demonstrate to us how he can care for us. But we've we've done the most important to care for the spiritual. Yeah. And and Jesus always does take care of you. I mean Yeah. Quick story, we had a leaky roof, having problems, water's coming in, not yeah. sure where. Just one of the gentlemen at the church talked to, fixed it, no problem, said, oh, I'm not going to charge you. Mm-hmm. You know, that, those are just little things God does for you. So right. focus on the spiritual and he'll take care of the physical. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and our final employment point, and let's just look at the text real quick and see that Jesus was focused on being in God's house. Mm. Um, Do you focus on spending as much time as possible with your heavenly father? Is your life filled with times of prayer, reading, fasting, and service to God? Or is your life filled with activities that focus on fulfilling your own personal dreams and desires? Mm. And here's a question you should ask yourself. Do I focus on time with my father? And a thought you should have, do I view my devotions and prayer time as a pleasure or a pain? What can I do to focus my time on my heavenly father? And, you know, I want to add that probably a lot of people listening to this are busy. You know, yeah. we, we live yeah. in America and, um, you know, just having Christian values. We work very, very hard. We spend a lot. We get up early. We go to bed late. We work hard. So I, I think one of the reasons we have this podcast is so that uh, people can hear the word, think about the word when they're mm-hmm. at work or mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. car. And, uh, but my question is, do you really have, do you really make that time for God, for his word to be instructed? Mm-hmm. So, okay. yeah, I'm looking at, uh, Luke four sixteen, and this is when Jesus goes to, uh, his hometown in Nazareth. And what do you do with the hometown hero? Of course, you try to kill him. And that's what his, uh, I can't wait till his, we get to that passage. His, his homie yeah. or his amigos were trying to do. Yeah. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. That was his practice. Yeah. Uh, he knew this is where he was supposed to be, and he went, uh, obviously, to teach when he was asked to do so, but if not, to be instructed. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the priority. Of course, this is more of a transitional going from the Old Testament to the temple uh, to the New Testament with yes. the church. But the same Jesus would say, I'm going to build my church. That's the priority today. And we... Uh, need to be involved intimately in the church of Jesus Christ and the priority, even when you look at the the gift list in the New Testament, teaching is prevalent. Why? We are to be instructed in the word of God, to be under the hearing of the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing is by the word of God. So the church, we cannot emphasize strongly enough that when people will make that a priority, uh, that they'll deny this world system and maybe making time and a half or double time uh, working on Sunday and go, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a sacrifice. I'm going to go be in church. I'm going to sit under uh, pastors and teachers that are equipped, and I'm going to learn from them. I'm going to learn how to serve because they're there to equip me. Mm-hmm. Then you start to have a strong church. It's all predicated on the Word of God, but the church is so intricate to the plan of God today. And I think that's why... Uh... Satan hits the church hard, um, especially with my generation. We have all these, call them stupid prosperity gospel. Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, false Mm -hmm. teachers, whatever you want to call them. And many of my generation just look at the church as a joke. You know, they're all out either to be cool or to make money. Mm. And, uh, And I think that's one of the things we fight that we're like, come to church because we love you. We want you, first of all, to be saved. And then we want to train you. 
and it's not about the money. But uh, sadly, uh, Satan's doing such a good job just convincing so many, you know, blinding the eyes of the foolish that uh, God's church is nothing but a scam. And he uses a bunch of scam artists to try mm -hmm. to accomplish his purposes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm thankful for our church and so many churches around mm -hmm. that uh, really put God's word first Amen. and uh, are really teaching well. Well, I know we went kind of long today, but uh, that was the Father and Son's Pastoral Podcast. Thanks for joining me uh, today. It's first of many, I pray. And uh, this was the start of the Jesus Said That series, looking at every time Jesus speaks in the New Testament in chronological order. Well, we got by that. A fighter jet flew by. The trash truck came by twice. Uh, somebody kept calling. We had Alexa go off and so forth. But uh, I, I really hope people enjoyed this. So...